Hello, welcome back to 100% Real with Ruby. Here we are going to jump straight into part two. And if anything you hear resonates with you, just share it away, tag me, reach out to me. I will be happy to chat. And as I'm sure Thomas will as well, we would love your feedback and yeah, enjoy this part of the episode. And it's almost like surfing the urge. Like, okay, there's this urge for me to react. I'm sitting with it. I'm feeling it uncomfortably. I know that I want to respond, but I'm not going to do it anyway because I know the backlash is going to be worse than the action itself or any alternative thing. And I just before you go on about how to approach something, like how this relates to perception and stories that we tell ourselves is I'm going to say at strength stretch with Eve on Instagram posted this amazing thing about being able to build a positive narrative and seeing and appreciating the brighter side of any dark situation. She says, being able to see the positives doesn't negate the suffering and discomfort we feel during this time. And then she goes on to say, but having things to be grateful for, focusing on what I can control right now, provide and accept, make a hell of a difference in letting go of the shit you cannot control. Thinking about what's going to happen in the future, thinking about how uncertain this is, how overwhelming that is, isn't going to take you anywhere further. And it's the same with the case that he was just talking about. Reacting in that way isn't going to take him any further. Is that the person he wants to become? Does he want to be aggressive and then form this negative relationship and then feel and then have the guilt and all the resentment happening after that? Now, the thing most people struggle with is that pause moment though. Until you master the pause, you are at you are at the benevolence of the world. Like you, I think that's the word to use. I don't know. But you are you are at you are at the feet of the world. Like you are not in control. This is where I guess gratitude really helps taking ownership and reframing the stories that you tell yourself. So how exactly does gratitude come into all of this in a way that we can start feeling better about a situation and how gratitude can actually help us learn our identity because we're not thinking so much of what we lack. Because I think that is the source of so many problems that can't like that face us is that we're just thinking about everything that's absent. Even in terms of food, we're thinking of like, it's straight away, we're in this restriction mindset of everything we can't have. In terms of our body goals, it's thinking in terms of we're not there yet. We haven't done this yet. We don't look good yet. Maybe, maybe once I'm fitter, I can actually start going to the gym. Like it's, once I said raising raising the floor, but how can gratitude and the the stories that we tell ourselves actually move us forward in wrapping up the whole lockdown? Just look, not just lockdown, because I think this all ad- addressed what we wanted to address. It really did, because now it's actually giving us direction from what we can do with lockdown to how we can apply it to ourselves now and moving into the future and why it is so important now to foster all of this so that when we come out of whatever situation it is it's not going back to where we once were or okay life can start again but it's just a continuation of everything that was because 
time didn't just pass, you actually made use of it. So how can gratitude really help with this and emotional processing? And I guess everything we were saying before about radical ownership and radical acceptance. You said something and I was like, that's the best thing ever. I want to touch on it. And then it slipped my mind. And anyway, I'll come, it'll come back to me, but it was really clever. And I wanted to emphasize it, but we'll get there. Um, look, in terms of great, this whole thing, as I spoke about, and the example of the, the confrontation with that guy, is that thing, you know, things outside of our control are going to happen. Lockdown's going to happen. Other people are going to act the way that they act. And so taking ownership of our headspace and acceptance versus attachment, things like that, and allowing gratitude to become the key principle is that we can choose how we view these situations as being on the way rather than in the way towards where we want to be in life. And so it, a lot of it in, in some ways relates to the identity piece of when we are talking about personal growth, personal development, living a fulfilling life, achieving all our goals, all that good stuff, we kind of need to operate from that future place of, okay, you know, where do I want to be in six months time, 12 months time, a couple of years time, or more importantly, who do I want to be? And then working backwards and, and going, okay, in order to be that person, I actually need to kind of become that person now in terms of ask myself, how would that person act in any given situation? And then that, when we work gratitude into the equation, allows us to view any circumstance, any situation like lockdown or confrontation or whatever stressful thing it might be and ask ourselves how is this actually contributing positively in some way towards who I want to be and where I want to be now sometimes that might simply be that uh, it's showing us what we don't want um, but oftentimes it's simply that if we have the view of I want to be the master of my internal world which I think everyone should ideally have that perspective of uh, taking ownership of your headspace and then recognizing that you, you want to have the best possible headspace and be in control of it. Well, you can then view circumstances that most other people are complaining about, like lockdown, and go, I am viewing this as an opportunity to grow, as an opportunity to, as you said, sit with myself and learn more about who I am and what's really meaningful to me, what really lights me up. You know, go through a process of learning uh, what my personal values are, things like that. Do you know Mojo Crow? Are you familiar with him, Ben Crow? Mojo Crow is his Instagram thing. He is sort of in the life coaching, headspace coaching, resilience space, works with uh, Ash Barty and Dylan Olcott and a few other uh, like footy players and celebrities and stuff. And they, I was just going to make a recommendation for people. He's just produced an app called the Mojo Pro app. And uh, they do some pretty cool work around kind of like writing your, your own story and figuring out what your purpose is and a few other things like that. Um, and one of the questions they ask is uh, identify what your earliest, happiest memory is or was and uh, being clear on you know, why that was so meaningful to you, what feelings did you have around that and allowing that, uh, recognising that that is probably the most authentic, like uh, fulfilled version of yourself almost and, and what, how can you replicate those emotions today? Anyway, Mojo Crow, good, good follow for people to uh, check out. But the amazing thing about gratitude is simply that yeah, it allows us to perceive virtually any situation, even the negative ones, as something that at least we're now glad happened. Now, you can simultaneously be frustrated by something, unhappy about something, 
Now, you're allowed to feel sadness and distress and disappointment and still be grateful for something. Like that's that's the key. We tend to have this dichotomy of I'm either happy about something or I'm unhappy about it. And if something is negative and challenging, that therefore I wish it didn't happen. But you're allowed to be frustrated and stressed out by lockdown or disappointed or you know maybe your whole world has been fucking shattered because your businesses had to shut and you know maybe you've lost friendships or you're feeling really anxious and stressed and isolated and whatever the like you yeah there will be people who are going through that and we don't want to trivialize the magnitude of that for some people but my point is that it is possible to be feeling those feelings and as we said not avoiding them but actually actively feeling them and simultaneously be grateful for something and simultaneously be viewing uh yeah say lockdown or whatever challenging situation as something that we're glad on some level has happened if we're aware of the upsides if we're aware of how they're teaching us to grow i've got seven words and don't be afraid don't be afraid to ask for help people are scared to ask for help continue that's just so important that's 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 brilliant yeah really struggling like seriously do not be afraid to ask for help I can't believe yep. we're in touch on any sooner because you can't get through shit alone a lot of the time. Like we cannot, this is the important, like we touched on human connection, but we never mentioned help and support. Mm. You need to yep. ask for help. You need to be vulnerable. Can we talk about vulnerability and all of this as well? Like we need to learn that vulnerability grows us. Vulnerability is untapped potential. It's a chance for growth. It's showing us where we can actually excel because we're vulnerable in those areas. We're weak in those areas. And yeah. it's just like you're zooming the fuck out. You like growth, just like progress, isn't just about one one dimension. It's not just one direction. You can grow in terms of things outside of your physical because your outer world is dictated by your inner world. Your inner world detects your outer world. Continue. I just need to say, get asked for help if you need it. No, that's that's massive. That's honestly, as we said, human connection, social relationships probably the biggest factor in resilience and and health and well-being and asking for help is a major element of that and asking for help is a vulnerability right and so we do probably need to relate that to as you wanted to touch on a few times the stories we tell ourselves in that we tend to have these stories in our head sometimes we're not truly aware of them that you know asking for help is weakness or that if i ask this person for help that they're going to think something of me or, or whatever it might be and the thing about uh, that's often related to shame and shame is this emotion that um, is it can be really crippling and but the amazing thing about shame is that it basically dissolves the second that you put a spotlight on it in the sense that the second that you actually admit what you're feeling and how you how you're uh, maybe struggling and admit that to someone else the shame more or less dissolves because uh, shame is something that we need other people we don't need it really helps to have other people uh, witness it and hold space for it and then accept you for it um so relationships are huge but except uh, now you but, and then i just the other example i was going to use is that a lot of people have so many stories around for example uh seeing a therapist they have this story that like oh if i see a therapist that that means i'm broken or people are going to judge me or this or that and like that's a bullshit story because um the fact is the information's out there you could do so much research into this um a lot of the time I get really frustrated because people are attached to their struggle, they're attached to their suffering. And so they actually stay committed to stories that stop them from getting help because that would, that would force them to acknowledge that that story may not be true. You know what I mean? Um, 
that's a, that's a tan that's a tangent. That I love that topic. Keep it. going into it. Keep going into it. I love that topic. Keep going because shame and that tangent you're going into right now is so powerful and it links everything together. It's massive. We're talking and about acceptance at the very start, and it's the acceptance that can drive a lot of our feelings and perceptions about things in a negative way. So, touching on this shame, as you guys we can listen to this thing again, but shame and the tangent that I'm gonna push Thomas into are so important. <laughs> no, spot on. Uh, fair enough. It, it is. It's a really important thing to understand because typically. We, we're resistant to asking for help because we have shame around the thing that we're asking for help with. Uh, yeah, because we, as our brains love to do, we make meaning out of things. We, we tell ourselves stories. We make meaning out of, you know, um, if, if I need help with this, that means something about me. It means I'm not smart enough, strong enough, capable enough, brave enough, whatever enough. And so we start to tell ourselves stories about things and we make it personal rather than it just being uh yeah just being something that is and and we, we tend to sort of get ourselves a little too hyper fixated now this is this relates back to the identity piece actually that if we have our identity too wrapped up in one particular um area and then we're struggling with that well then we're going to have a lot of shame around needing help with that thing because we think well if my entire identity is wrapped up in this thing and i need help with that and I'm not strong enough or smart enough or clever enough or resilient enough to manage this thing, um, then who the hell am I without it? And I'm not good enough for this. So then we're ashamed of it. We're shamed. We feel shame about asking for help with it. And so if we can do, as we kind of spoke about earlier, like diversify our identity a little bit and recognize that we have so many things about us as a human being, so many strengths, awareness of all of our values, recognize that we're so much more than just our job. We're so much more than just our career or just our physique or just our fitness or just our relationship with a partner or whatever it might be. And we don't have all of our personal identity eggs in one particular basket, then it becomes a little bit easier to ask for help with that thing because we're not so defined by it. That, you touched on this right before we yeah. started. Remember how yeah. you said, oh, by the way, this thing makes me anxious. Oh wait, no, no, I don't wanna say that this makes me anxious. I'm responding in this way. You just mentioned that attachment. So yeah. 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 I just, yeah. To give people that context is that I said something that I do makes me anxious. I can't remember what it was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it frequently takes me so long to do tasks because I'm, I struggle way too much with perfectionism. And so I said that it makes me anxious uh, when I have lots of tasks to do. And then I said, hang on, no, I don't like that language. I create, a feeling of anxiety for myself based on anyway so it was just being very careful with language because language is huge okay so i've got a couple other things i want to touch on uh -huh. in regards to lockdown and stuff like that because the fact is is that how you view how you view the world or how you view other people is really just reflecting your own internal world right and so i had a conversation with a guy the other night who was talking about the fact that lockdown i messaged you this last night that lockdown or COVID, the last 18 months has really revealed how most people are self-centered and you know, out for themselves. And that was, you know, his statement or his view based on, you know, the whole toilet paper fiasco when everyone was hoarding stuff in the supermarkets and all that kind of stuff. And that's a viewpoint that's held by a lot of people that, you know, COVID and lockdown has revealed how most people are shit. And that is categorically not true. 
at all. It is you have that perspective of humankind that it, that everyone you know, is selfish because uh, the fact is there are plenty of us, myself included, who have had far more focus on the uh, the upsides in, in the sense that um, I've noticed you know people are kinder for the most part and more patient and that plenty of people smile at you more on the street now. And my point is, is that you know you can choose what to view. For? Uh, you can yeah you can you see what you're looking for right like you can choose to focus on how some people were really selfish and hoarding food and all that kind of stuff and you could also try to actually meet them with compassion and empathy and recognize that those people were just panicking and stressed out and operating from their level of consciousness but the fact is that you can also choose to focus on just how many people have you know used this time to go out of their way to help others with mental health or uh, you know positively impact other people in some way I use the example of uh, working hospitality, right? So I've been doing bartending up here at Hotham. And coming into this, uh, I had frequently heard from, I won't name names, but people I know who've worked a lot in hospitality who say that, you know, working hospo or, or work, yeah, working hospo makes you hate humankind because so many people are rude and unkind and uh, treat hospo workers poorly, right? That hasn't been my experience because I choose not to see it that way. There have been people who have been you know, impatient or unkind or whatever. I treat them with empathy and compassion and recognize that imagine how much their internal world must suck if they're being rude and uh, you know, uncooperative or impatient with you know, the person bringing them their food at a restaurant or whatever, or the person serving them their drinks. Whereas I've noticed plenty of people that I've interacted with that have been super patient and kind and they've you know we've mucked up something with their order and they totally you know meet us with compassion and empathy and go oh, we get it you're busy it's cool like my point is is that you see what you're looking for because i've seen plenty of examples of people being kind and helpful and i've found the whole experience to be a net positive far away and had a lot of great interactions with people and gone like, oh there are so many people who are so nice and the people who are, you know, maybe kind, uh, unkind or rude or abrupt or impatient, it's like, I don't take it personally. I don't make it mean something about me. I don't make it mean something about them. I try to make them compassion and just go like, you know, like if that's how they treat other people, imagine how much it must suck to be inside their head. You know what I mean? Another example of that, we're going off on a tangent here, but I think it's a relevant one for me. Another example of that is, another example of that is, I was talking about this with someone last night is when you're in the gym and you're afraid of judgment, right? Um, and I get it because it's, it, is a, it can be an intimidating environment, but ultimately it's just, it's largely a reflection of how much you're judging yourself. But something that I want people to really focus on in that regard is if you're in the gym and someone else is there and they are being judgmental of you, let's say hypothetically, they actually are looking at you and thinking you, know, you look like a dickhead because you don't know what you're doing or some judgmental thought. If that person's over there and that's how judgmental they are being of you who's a beginner or unconfident in the gym, imagine how much it must suck to be inside their head that that is the kind of energy they're projecting outwards towards other people, that they can't just meet someone else with compassion and empathy, that they are being so judgmental of someone else who's just having a go at this thing and figuring out how to do this new skill. Like if someone is being judgmental of you, like one, why are you making their opinion mean so much uh, or and and two try to actually it sounds crazy but like i said with the confrontation i had with that guy try to meet the person who's judging you with empathy and compassion 
and recognize that if that is their attitude that they project outwards, imagine how hard they are on themselves and imagine how much it must suck to be inside their head if that's the kind of attitude they project outwards towards a beginner who's just trying to figure out the lap pull down at the gym. Do you know what I mean? Like that, it, it sounds counterintuitive, but if you can meet no, really good people who are judging you with compassion and empathy, it suddenly makes their opinion seem so much less scary. And you're like, oh my God, imagine how much it must suck to be that person. Yeah. Equally, it also forces you to one, meet yourself with empathy and compassion that you know, you're allowed to struggle at this thing and be figuring it out and you're allowed to suck and, you know, like, or be new at something. But also uh, recognise that potentially are you being, are you the one being judgmental? Because frequently the people I find who are most afraid of judgment in the gym are the judgmental ones. As in, it's the beginners who go, oh, the gym is full of obnoxious people who just want attention and, you know, look at her. How is she wearing that? And you know, he's so vain and making all this noise and stuff. And it's like, and, and then they go, and I'm afraid of them judging me. They're intimidating me. It's like, can you have the self-awareness to recognize how judgmental you were just being within that statement? No wonder you're afraid of judgment because you're judging others and you're clearly judging yourself as well. So pretty much if we just have empathy and compassion for ourselves and others, everything else basically gets better from there. And that's the thing, like, if, like, if you can't, okay, having empathy for yourself, but if other people aren't, re like, reflecting that and your fear of them judging you, it says more about them and them being unsure of themselves. Like, look at the, oh, yeah, this is going to be really controversial. I'm sorry, so I'm prefacing that. But look at the people who are overweight, unfit, unhealthy, like, categorically slobs. They're quick to judge fit people and evil eye them and all this other stuff. And it's like, it's those people because they're not willing to either put in, it's like people might say, yeah, well, you can put any story you want to that kind of story, but it's like, whether you want to say no, it's not because they don't have the motivation to do what you're doing. It's just that they're happy with like the way it is. And it's like, well, if they're happy with like the way it is, then they should accept everybody have radical acceptance and not be judging people if you're judging people you are internally unhappy with where you are right now or you are this is why all these pillars are so important um i want to highlight something i wrote it down because you gave me a like i said this isn't a mindful moment it's a mindful mindgasm okay <laughs> so he touched on how we are so quick to focus on the negatives and not the positives so like he was talking oh that was right he was talking about the cafe so this can come to everything. For example, people getting like, aha, people judging them versus people complimenting them, all this other stuff, like bad comments on your social media versus good comments on your social media. 90% positives, but we focus on the 10% negative. This happens in our journey of health and fitness. Like I'm currently working, I've been working with this girl for two years and this is how negative self-talk is. And it's going back to that conversation I had with one of my black clients where I've been telling him for years that he needs to stop trying to impress other people or do things for other people and start actually looking deep within him because he doesn't do that. And even though I've been telling him for years, he's only just saying it physically and admitting it now. Now, whether he acts on it is a different story, but it's like, we can know all the things, but you need to actually act on it. Like, this is why gratitude is so important. So back to what I was saying, we focus on only the negative. We don't catch ourselves winning enough as a coach. I get people coming to me with more of their struggles, more of their, yeah, more of their struggles and more of the things 
that they did wrong than the things that they're doing right, then they're wins. And then this feeds the stories we tell ourselves and our identity. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm not enough. All these I'm not enough. And then we come from a place of lack again. And this is how important gratitude is and how reflection and self-introspect is so important. You need to pause. Like the pause is hard. Practice the pause. It's a skill you need to develop. These pillars that we are both talking about are so important. That's that's a, such a good point about, uh, and that, that comes back to needing to do journaling and gratitude journaling, because the amazing power of it, we 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 didn't touch or we did touch on gratitude, but we probably didn't go deep enough on it, as far as when you actually consciously write down all of the wins, all of the things that are going well. Say at the end of the day, and the example is that's a perfect example of the client who has a bunch of things that they're succeeding with, but they're hyper fixated on the things that they're not doing well, the things they can't do. And they're not giving themselves enough credit for their, their growth. What we don't do super well as human beings sometimes is we don't integrate our wins in the sense that uh, that's a Brennan Bouchard quote, in the sense that we go six months, 12 months, and you've made a lot of progress, but we haven't actually integrated the wins into our identity or, and developed the belief that, oh, actually I did all of these things. I can probably do more. But the really cool thing about gratitude when we consciously practice it particularly when we write it down because writing takes but when we write things down we're sort of combining left brain right brain so we're integrating things better making it sink in better writing's really powerful very similar to the the poncive as i think uh, alan rickman says in harry potter the thing where they take their thoughts out it's it, have you seen harry potter i love harry potter yeah so you know the thing where they can take it their memories out and like look at them yeah so i think of journaling is the same thing you can take your thoughts out of your head it's not so jumbled in here and you can kind of see them in front of you um and that thing about gratitude elicits emotions like clearly like if you if you watched harry potter imagine like think about how dumbledore was actually able to feel things better like the expressions changed on his face because he was reliving it again yeah yeah absolutely yeah that's it's yeah isn't that cool cool analogy um uh the, the great thing about consciously practicing gratitude in the sense that you actually at the end of the day or at some point in the day you actually stop and you don't have to write it down it's probably better if you do but you consciously actually reflect on what are all of the things that went well today and try to really it's called somatically which means somatic just means to do with the body so like actually feel in your body like how does my body feel when i think about that nice thing that happened um, and consciously get a feel for it. And then that you, you mentioned a client who couldn't see the benefits of why they should do gratitude journaling. They haven't really felt the physical feeling yet that they get from consciously focusing on all of the things that are going well and listing them. But then equally, as I spoke about earlier, taking the things that are uh, yeah, in, uh, perceived as negatives right now and write, how can I be grateful for this? How is this teaching me? How am I learning from this? How am I growing from this? How is this showing me what I don't want? How is this actually helping me develop better skills to manage my mind? Anyway, a really cool thing about practicing gratitude consciously, and they've scientifically proven this, is that it trains what's called our, called our reticular activating system, which is the part of our brain that kind of decides what we notice, to notice more things to be grateful for. And so the, the, the perfect analogy is when you... Uh, you buy a new car. Like let's just say you've just bought a new Toyota Kluger. Actually, I just suddenly, bought a new Hyundai. So what did you buy? You bought a Hyundai. I just bought yeah. a new Hyundai. So that works. Yeah, as awesome. Car. What's what what model is it? Right. 
the what, what? the the um the freaking the, the 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 small one. Can't believe I can't remember the name of it. The venue. Okay, Hyundai uh, venue, right? I'm willing to bet now that you're going to notice a whole bunch of Hyundai venues on the road. Like you'll be out driving oh, and suddenly you're seeing them more, right? Okay. So it's, not, well, it's not that they're, you go. I'm going to actually relate to this one, what you just said. Okay. So my car got ridden off and all I wanted once my car got ridden off, I was actually pretty happy that my car, well, that it did because I've had my car for 12 years. And I'm like, oh, really? I did not feel safe in my car because it didn't even have ABS braking. Like, it didn't happen anyway. Um, and I had to roll down the windows. It's like I looked pretty positive in the fact that I just lost my car and I have to fork out money for a new car. I looked at the fact, mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to have central looking now. I can actually click a button. Hey, I can actually like open all the windows. But anyway, I wanted an SUV. All of a sudden, all I can see around me are freaking white SUVs because all I wanted was a white SUV. Never before in my life was I ever judging cars before. I became the most judgmental bitch when it came to cars ever since I decided that I wanted an SUV. Like, so judgmental. And then I found my Hyundai. So just had to just there you go. reiterate that. That's it. And that's a perfect example of you in your brain had decided that what SUVs were like relevant to you or important to you, you were interested in them. And so suddenly you're noticing them everywhere. It's not that there are more white SUVs on the road. You're just noticing more of them because when you drive past one, it's like, it stands out to you, right? That's what practicing gratitude does is it actually trains our brain to start noticing more and more and more and more and more things to be grateful for because we've trained our brain that this is something that we care about, do you know what I mean? And so that is the ridiculously powerful impact of practicing gratitude consciously as in, like if you ask any person ever, anywhere, are you a grateful person? They're going to go, oh, of course I am. Of course I'm grateful. Like, yeah, my life is so good. And it's like, yeah, are you that? Because... I know a lot of people who had it so good the last 18 months, you know, high paying job that they, uh, you know, was not impacted. They maybe just had to work from home, you know, healthy relationship, like so much going right in their life. And the only thing that was really impacted was just that like they couldn't go to the pub and they still spent 18 months bitching about how hard it was. And it's like, yeah, you're, you're allowed to be frustrated by these situations, but a little bit of perspective of realizing that there are some people who like don't have a roof over their head. And so like those are the people who say they're grateful, but are they grateful? They're not consciously really focusing on just how grateful they actually should be. Um, whereas when you start to really write things down or like stop and just put your attention on how much you have to be grateful for, it trains the brain to just notice more stuff to be grateful for. And that allows us to realize how good we've got it. It allows us to then have this feeling of abundance of, oh, actually I have so much that's going well for me. So that allows us to start to develop more of that belief that we are capable of having more to be grateful for, right? Like more of the things that we want because we have an abundance mindset of, oh, I, I like when we have a lack mindset of, I don't have much that is going well in my life. Well, then as we know, like our, our, our brain will create a reality that matches our beliefs. And so if we have a belief that we don't have much that's going well, then we're going to be kind of resistant to bringing in more that goes well. And we're going to be resistant to noticing anything that is going well. I want to make Whereas, it relatable to food again, because yeah. it's just what I do. So sure. what you can think about is a restriction mindset for all the foods that you can't have when you're trying to diet down all the fact, like I have a client, I, I have a client that always seeks to eat out, always seeks this, that, and the other, but 
then there's then there's other people out there that as soon as they start like some type of diet they think about all the things they now have to give up instead of all the things they get to have like I get to have a bigger plate full of more wholesome foods and it's like related to things outside of food. like eating in this way is going to give me a lot more energy I spoke about this in my post today too it's going to give me a lot more life I can play with the kids I have better sleep I can poop like a normal person now like <laughs> there are so many things to focus on to be grateful for that are outside of that as well and this is why these skills are so important yeah totally totally that's that's a really good point actually is the the dieting thing that if you're fixated on how much how restricted you are and how much you can't eat then that makes you feel it stops you from noticing how much you're actually getting to eat or whatever really good example um yeah so i guess that's the main we've probably touched enough on gratitude i suppose that like yeah when you practice gratitude it allows you to notice more that you're grateful for that allows you to develop an abundance mindset belief about yourself that you have so much going well in your life which gives you the belief that you're capable of just attracting more and more stuff to be grateful for pretty much uh yeah gratitude is key to abundance um it's kind of it, it'll, it'll come to me after the call but the, there was something you said earlier that I, I remember i said i couldn't remember what it was and i wanted to touch on it because it was very impactful and important but anyway we'll touch we'll talk about that on another podcast i suppose <laughs> um was there anything else in particular i'm just thinking about uh in terms of the notes we made maybe one thing we haven't touched on that i thought was important in terms of managing stressful situations and managing stress in general particularly perhaps challenging situations like lockdown and things like that is actually getting familiar with the worst case scenario which uh, tim ferris calls it fear setting so basically um in order to kind of overcome fears so to speak is actually getting really acquainted with them in the sense that going okay like what is actually the worst case scenario what is the thing i'm legitimately afraid of and then going to a process of going well okay what will that really feel like like what what would actually happen how will i deal with that how will i have to respond to that so i've kind of got you know a, a response plan but equally having a contingency plan of okay so uh, well, actually that's not the way i'm looking for but uh, having a contingency plan yeah and then having a like okay how, how do i prevent that happening yeah so so getting so in the case of lockdown someone is terrified that they're going to uh yeah lose their job and not be able to pay at the mortgage for example right so fear setting goes okay let's get acquainted with that what's that going to feel like get familiar with those feelings rather than like them being this mystery don't make it about like mean things about yourself don't make it mean that you're a failure or you're this or you're that or you're not worthy of you know love and acceptance and whatever it's like it's just something that might happen okay if it happens how will you respond to that do you have to get a job at Coles? cool okay is that really that bad like does the world actually end do you actually die if you have to get a job at Coles for a month to pay the mortgage like i'm not saying that anyone wants to have to do that my point is that if we actually get familiar with the worst case scenario and we realize that you know whatever happens we'll probably be able to respond to it it might not be as bad as we think it's going to be you know if you have to get a job at Coles, you have to move back in with your parents for a little bit okay that'll suck a bit sure let's not avoid those emotions as we spoke about let's actually feel them but will the world really end if that happens probably not so then suddenly now maybe it isn't such a terrifying stressful thing um 
Now that's if it does happen. And otherwise, what could we maybe do now to prevent it happening? And so what we've done is we've taken this, because like pretty much the, the biggest thing about fear is the unknown, right? Like we're, we're afraid of these things being out of our control. When we understand that we have very little control over anything except our, our you know, state of mind, we realize that things aren't that, aren't that dangerous. But my point is that like, if you actually get acquainted with what's the worst case scenario, then suddenly it's not so scary anymore because you're familiar with it and you, you have a plan for if it does happen, you have a plan for trying to prevent it happening at all. You realize that if it does happen, it might not be the worst thing ever. You can ask yourself the question, how could I be grateful if that did happen? Like if you did lose your job, okay, that would really suck. Would it teach you to get more in, uh, in touch with your emotions? Would it be a blessing because you realize that you actually hate the job you're in and you needed something to happen, to be a catalyst to change jobs or whatever? Uh, yeah. Would it teach you to be the better master of your internal world because you're having to learn how to adapt to a really stressful situation? The point is, is that when we get familiar with the worst case scenario, we can then start to actually plan for it. We can get familiar with it. We can ask ourselves better questions about how we're going to manage it, about how we'll actually benefit from it. Um, that's all I got on worst case scenario, okay. but it's really important to be familiar with it. Oh, I just want to emphasize the adapt because acceptance and then adaptation is the most important thing because if you're not going to accept it first, you're just going to keep this is when you start using the avoidance tactic because you're not wanting to accept something for fear of judgment, fear of this, the whole acceptance thing, because we all want to be accepted. So you need to accept it, but then you need to adapt and make it work for you. And you need to change the story you tell about yourself. So I think, I think that's like the best, the, the best and like the best way to end this conversation. But I did take some notes that, I really want to dig into on the next one, which we're going to get more into the worst case scenario, because I think that is what holds a lot of people back. Like, for example, they may, okay, I know some people who did not want to go to the gym whatsoever, or did not want to even work out at home, because for example, they just don't like the idea of working out at home. So they're not getting comfortable with the uncomfortable, or they refuse to go to the gym. They, they, they have access to the gym. I'm, I can't even freaking go to a gym right now. There are people out there that have access to a gym, but they need to wear a mask, but they're not going because they need to wear a mask. They're not getting comfortable with that instead of the fact that I don't even have a freaking gym right now. Like yeah. we're going to talk into that. That's going to be an example. And we're yeah. going to really go into the whole fear setting, the whole importance of the somatic, dig deeper into gratitude and shame acceptance because yeah cool there was a lot there was a lot there so we'll leave the podcast here and i hope you liked it like it share it sub subscribe and even share it to just a friend if you don't want to share it publicly but yeah so we will see you on the next podcast and thomas will be coming on in a week or two or three whenever we both line up our times thank you <laughs>